0: have your Bibles please turn in them to Acts chapter 2 there are some Bibles in the chairs in front of you you can turn to page 911 and we have camped out in this passage for these last several weeks and for a few more weeks to come as we are in a current series on our vision and values as a church and on the front of your bulletin you'll see the values that we've looked at we've looked at worship discipleship, and this morning we will look at the third value, that of care, caring for one another. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 is our passage we draw our vision from. It's our passage of study this morning. This is God's holy word to us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's go to our God in prayer. Father, as we now look into the the word of truth, the, the words of life, you have said that the word is living and active. Sharper than a two-edged sword, it pierces to dividing joint and marrow. Lord, pierce our hearts now with your truth and and change us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was 16 years old, I lost my mother due to a a terminal illness that was and still is the, the hardest thing that I've ever experienced in my life. Losing someone you love is never easy, but experiencing loss at a young age seems to be a harder reality. My mother was was very sick uh, for several months before she passed. At one point during her hospital stay, the doctors announced that uh, her disease had gotten worse and she would not survive the illness, and so the waiting began. I'll never forget sitting in Coach Ed Abdella's history class in 10th grade when the call came over the intercom uh, for me to come to the office. I knew why they wanted me. My dad came to the school to get me and my younger brother and and tell us the news that my mother had passed. That was a hard day, but a day I knew was coming then. I I was prepared. But what I was not prepared for was for the love and support that I would get from friends. That afternoon, I arrived at home to sit and to wonder what was next, where do we go from here? And to my surprise, there was a a knock on the door, and four or five of my friends came into our home, and they just sat with me. Uh, They knew I was hurting, and they wanted to show how much they cared. I later found out they just got together during class and just left. (laughs) They didn't even check out. They just left the school without telling anyone and had to drive way out in the country to find me. Uh, In the days and weeks after that, I received phone calls, visits, letters, From students and from people at the school that I didn't even know they liked me, much less knew me. Uh, They called, they visited, they wrote to show me that they they cared. And that was the first time I'd realized that outside of my immediate family, that having a community, having a a group of friends to to come alongside me and genuinely care for me is, is one of the best gifts that God has given to us. And so I tell you that story now because most of us are through those stages in lives where we are in college or or grade school and have that close knits of friends because we're we're living our lives, we're raising our families. But we need to realize that we need a a support system to come alongside us and, and help us with life's challenges. We need a community that will show love and and care and and nurture for us in times of need. We need a a communion of of saints to to come alongside us and to point us toward the finished work of Jesus Christ and his importance in our lives. This is where God's grand design for the local church comes into play. This is why a community of believers is God's plan for His people? It is the local church that God has ordained to be the the life support system to help us live the Christian life and to spur one another on in the Christian life and to minister to one another in, in times of need. So we've spent a significant amount of time studying these last few weeks our values and the importance of worship and discipleship in the local church. But now we need to spend some time and talk about how important it is that we live and be a community together and how we care for one another. We were created for community. There is only one thing that God has said in his word in the very beginning that was not good. Before the fall, he said everything was very good, all was very good, but there was one thing he said that was not good, and that was that man should not be alone. It's not good to be alone. We were not created to be alone. We were created to have life together. We were created to be in community with one another. Adam and Eve were the very first community. They had communion with one another and with the Lord their God. They lived in perfect community with each other and with God. And then God's plan for community grew. And it expanded through Adam's family, through Noah, Abraham, Israel, and ultimately the church, God's called out ones. And in this new community, we are now called the church, the people of God. And in this community, we're called to care for one another, to to love one another. The church fathers called this the communion of the saints. It is God's great plan for his people to be a community with one another. This principle comes from our passage in Acts chapter 2. I hope you notice the, the community language, the togetherness language that was in that passage. Look back there at Acts 2. And they they, it was a group, they they devoted them, themselves to. The apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers, this was all done together in community. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together. They were together. And they had all things in common, and, and they, as a group, as a community, they were doing things like selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to, to those who had need. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food in glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. They were together. They were in community. The Christian life is life together. I hope you don't miss that point this morning. The Christian life is life together. It is life lived with others. This wonderful doctrine of caring for one another in community teaches us several things that we're going to study this morning. So let's, let's examine the importance here of, of the communion of the saints caring for one another. So three things I want us to look at. We care for one another because this is how we show love for God and love for our neighbor. Secondly, we, we care for one another because we're a body that we read about in 1 Corinthians 12 early, earlier. And thirdly, we care for one another by meeting the physical and spiritual needs of each other. So let's look at these things first. We care for one another because this is how we show love for God and love for our neighbor. So since the, the beginning of the, of the church, when Jesus built his church while he was here on earth, one of the, the litmus tests for genuine faith in Jesus Christ has been a community of believers who love one another, who care for one another. In other words, one of the ways that you can tangibly tell, one of the ways you can can visibly see whether or not a community of people are genuine followers of the Lord Jesus Christ is the way in which they love one another. It's not the only way that we can test genuine faith, obedience to the scriptures, and Orthodox beliefs and the Trinity and those things are important. But here we're talking about this visible, tangible way to, to test the faith of, of a believer. This truth is found in that statement that we read in our preparation from worship. You could look there in your bulletin in, in, in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, Jesus is teaching his disciples, his followers, and he's doing this on the night, actually, in which he was betrayed. And he gathered them to himself, and he said, look, I have a new command I, I want to give you. A, a, a new, uh, it's not really a new command, but it's the, in, in the sense of it's never been heard before, but it's new in the sense that no longer will God's people be identified by, by a temple built by human hands or by a, a people group, an, an ethnic group, or, or the way they look. But God's people are going to be identified now by the way they care for one another. And so Jesus said to them, a new command I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, Jesus says, if you have love for one another. What an amazing statement that Jesus makes. He is laying the foundation for this new community, for this worldwide group of people called the church. And he's telling them that they're to be different, that they're to be distinct from the world. And one of the primary ways that you show that you are different, that you are distinct, that you are the called out ones of God is the way that you show love for one another. You may go and read later this afternoon, 1 Corinthians 13, again, that great love chapter that that defines for us what love for one another looks like. Things like being patient and kind and forgiving. This is what love for each other looks like. And Jesus says that the thing that is to identify you as distinctively Christian, when people see you Living and acting in community with one another is the way you you love each other, the way you care for each other. Folks will know that you are a Christian, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ by the way you show love and care for other fellow believers. Next week, we're going to talk about what this looks like, extending that love outside of the community, the local context here, the local church. But for our purposes this week, let's look like let's look at inside the local church, caring and loving one another. This love and care that we have for one another is very unique. We don't have it because we have similar hobbies and interests and favorite SEC football teams or those type things. But our, our union, our our togetherness, goes beyond just these things of this world. We have a a, a greater union the greatest union that there could possibly be, and that is our union in Christ. Our togetherness in Christ. And our union in Christ, it it obliges us to love one another and to do things both public and, and private that show this love for one another. This is the beauty of the local church. This is where... Caring for one another, showing kindness and concern to our, our neighbors who are right next to us here in the church is the key way that we show love for Jesus. It's a key way that we reflect the glory of God to this world. The old Puritan Charles Bridges describes the role of the local church this. This is some old English, but I think very helpful. He says, the church is the mirror that reflects the whole effulgence of the divine character. It is the grand scene in which the perfections of Jehovah are displayed to the universe. The revelations made to the church, successive grand events in her history, and above all, the manifestation of the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ, furnished even to the heavenly intelligences, fresh subjects of adorning Contemplation, In other words, who's saying that the church, the local church, when we are the church caring for each other, loving one another, the glory of God in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ is reflected to the world. It's the way we show love for each other and our love for God. Secondly, though, we, we care for one another because we are a body. I won't go back and read there in 1 Corinthians 12 as our scripture reading uh, in the service, but what a, what a beautiful picture here. You know, our natural tendency is to think of ourselves as individuals, right? That's what all the advertisements that we're, we're bombarded with every day from, from media or driving down the road tell us, right? These advertisements say, you know, be you or be an individual, Or go buy that new SUV and drive alone in the desert for months at a time. I mean, who wants to do that? (laughs) But the Bible says this is actually not the best you. The Bible says the best you is only best when you are part of a a body. When you are connected to something. So the Bible uses many illustrations to describe describe the local church and what the local church is to be like. But one of the most illustrative ways that it uses to describe the local church is that we are the body of Christ, and the church is to be like a human body, it says. So in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul actually describes what this looks like and shows us in great detail how all the parts of the body need each other. The body works best when it has all of its parts. For those of you who've been injured or maybe were born without something in your body, you you know what this is like. For those of us who need corrective lenses to be able to see, we, we know how important it is to be able to see and to have all of our body parts working. And so he says, In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 24 through 27, he says, So God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. As a body, we care for one another. And he says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If you come up here and hit my finger with a hammer, I'm not going to go, oh, that's fine. It's just my finger. I've got another one over here. My brain is going to go, that hurts. You should probably cry now. No, don't cry. Uh, you got to be tough. <laughs> it, it, it affects the whole body, right? Somebody asked, how are you doing? Well, I hit my finger with a hammer, so I'm miserable. My whole body, I'm miserable. It, it, we all, it all affects one another. If, if one member suffers, all suffers together. If one member is honored, all rejoice Together, He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, individually coming together to be members together. And so in the local church, we feel a responsibility to one another. We're connected to one another. We need each other. We need each other because we're like the parts of a body. And this is what a body does. A body works together. And as a body, we care for one another. We respect everyone. And we realize that we need each other. I love hearing children cry in the worship service. Because if we don't have children crying in the worship service, we probably don't have children. (laughs) We need each other. I love that we can pray for those who can't join us, who are maybe joining us by internet here because we need each other we're a body as a body we we miss you when you're not here when you don't come to church for a while we we miss you and it's it's kind of like we're we're not a hundred percent without you because the body needs each other and as a body when, when all the members are together everyone exercising their spiritual gifts and the body is built up. The body is working well. But when one member of the body hurts, we all hurt because we are one body. So as a body, we look out for one another and realize that we need each other and we, we dare not treat each other with contempt. Even when we are really struggling with the way somebody is acting, We still go and we love because we are our body. Jerry Bridges illustrates this pretty well in his book, True Community. It was published a long time ago under a crisis of caring. But let me read this because I think it's helpful how Bridges describes what being a body is like. He says, let me illustrate the utter ridiculousness of some of our attitudes and actions toward other believers with a somewhat silly idea. Can you imagine the ear making the following comment to the eye? Say, did you hear about the serious trouble the foot is having? My sin, my, my, isn't that too bad? That foot surely ought to get his act together. No, no, our bodies don't behave that way at all. Instead, the entire body cries out, my foot hurts. I feel awful. Why does the whole body hurt when only one part is injured? It's because all the parts of the body make up one indivisible whole. And when one part hurts, no matter what the reason, the restorative powers of the entire body are brought to bear that hurting member. Rather than attacking the suffering part or ignoring the problem, the rest of the body demonstrates concern for the part that hurts. This is the way the body of Christ should function. So often we find ourselves saying something like, say, did you hear about? Harry and Sue, it seems they're really having some problems. They're even thinking about a divorce. It's too bad. Why can't people just get along with one another? Just as the parts of the physical body never communicate with such negativity and indifference, neither should we. Rather, we should rush the restorative powers of the body to those hurting members. Basically, this means the ministry of the Holy Spirit needs to be applied by loving and concern prayer of other members. We are a body. And as a body, we care for one another. And our practical expressions of caring for one another are to fall out of our biblical responsibility, realizing that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are one body. And so the gospel is what makes all the difference, right? The good news that God so loved us that he gave his one and only son God, in a sense, sacrificed part of Himself, so we too should live sacrificially by caring for one another, sacrificing for one another. And it's not just practically sacrificing some of your possessions for the community, but doing whatever it takes to help out brothers and sisters in Christ who are in great need and who are suffering because we are a body. And the good news is when we do this, God says we bring honor and glory to him by the way we care for one another. And so that brings us to the third thing. We care for one another by meeting those physical and spiritual needs that the body has. And so because we are a body, we care for the individual needs of our fellow body parts. And we do this by using our, our gifts and our abilities to serve one another. And so caring for one another often looks like meeting needs. Maybe serving in the nursery. Maybe taking a meal to someone. We'll, we'll talk about some of these practical things. The, in the early church, we see that they came together. They realized that there were many in their, in their group who were rich and many who were poor and some who were in between, some who were sick, some who were healthy. And one of the first practical outflowings of the gospel impact in their lives here after Pentecost was they need to love and care for one another. And so what did they do? They sold some of their stuff to help those who had need. Now, I I don't believe this was some kind of Christian communism going on here or redistribution of the wealth or Christian socialism, but this this was actually... True generosity. This was, this was practical caring for one another in a very tangible way because they realized they were a body, they were brothers and sisters in Christ, and they couldn't just stand by and see others hurting. It's not communism, it's, it's family. Another great way the Lord describes the local church, we're a family. and We take care of each other as family. We care for the parts of our body. And so what are some of the practical ways that we as a church family can care for one another? First is prayer. Praying for one another. We have a a list on our our bulletin that we can pray for one another. And some of you have told me, I don't want to get on this list because that means I've got, it's like the kiss of death or something. It's not. (laughs) It's the way we can pray for what is going on in your life. But praying for each other, let me just encourage you, and myself too, don't just say that you will pray. It was the last time maybe even in church you just grab someone, put your hand on their shoulder, and say, can I just pray for you now? Lord, help them. I've seen several of you doing that. It's so encouraging. But maybe just stop and, and, and literally pray for that person. Maybe take this home and pray for the body of Christ here through these needs and write down some other needs that you know. We are called to pray for one another. In this very amazing way, God works through the means of prayer. How does he use his sovereignty to do all that? I have no idea, but he says he will do it. and so we pray for one another. Maybe... Send a text to someone encouraging them. Maybe this lost art of writing a note to someone. Just sending someone a letter, and it's it's actually going to cost you something to do that. Stamps are expensive. But just telling someone that you love them, that you care about them. Maybe sharing a meal with someone, inviting someone over for dinner. Or better yet, taking a meal to someone. This church does a wonderful job of that. Every time we send out a, a, a alert to send meals, you know, it's like you if you don't sign up right then, you're, you're not going to get on the list. But it's such a great way to just, just to care for someone because we all have to eat. Maybe visit some folks who aren't able to make it here regularly on Sundays due to uh, limitations. Go and, and visit someone that you know just wants to know that you care about them, that you want to know what's going on in their life. Maybe we could care for one another by just listening. Maybe someone shares something in Sunday school, and you know, man, that sounds hard. I went through something similar. Maybe you just call them up and say, hey, would you like to just talk? I heard you mention this, and that I went through something similar. I just want to know how you're doing. I think probably the most practical thing we could do, though, is just make a plan to care for others. Figure out what you're good at, what you what you care about. Maybe it's yard work. Maybe it's cooking. Maybe it's just listening. Maybe it's visiting. Maybe you have extra time that other people don't have. But just picking a thing, picking a, a day of the week, picking a time that you can go and show love and care for one another. Um, a... A very practical way I want to illustrate this, is, this is, our, is one of our core values of caring for one another is every week at the end of the service, after the benediction, I invite you to stay for Sunday school. And hey, stay for Sunday school. We're not trying to get our attendance numbers up in Sunday school. But one of the best ways that we can practically care for you and that you can care for each other is in smaller groups. And so our Sunday school model is designed for that. It's a way the body of Christ can come together in smaller groups here at Cornerstone. And we can care for one another, share with one another, pour out our prayers and concerns and hear for one another and minister to one another. So let me, let me ask you to do that. Let me, let me just encourage you to find a, a smaller body, maybe a smaller group to plug into where you can have others around you in, in fellowship who genuinely care for you, who can share struggles with you who who can help you who can pray for you who can practically help you through these things and 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 the the, be- the beautiful thing about this that this is this is not the job of the pastor only or the elders only or the deacons only because there are some of you in here right now who God is especially equipped and gifted to serve a brother and sister who's who's sitting in here in, in such a specific way that, that I never could, or that someone else never could. That's why the best people to minister to someone with cancer are those who've had cancer. They just know. They're, they're, they're the best way for moms to be encouraged is by another mom who survived. You know, a, a businessman who's really struggling. Maybe you need to talk to another seasoned businessman. We can encourage one another that way, care for one another. So please consider how you can, you can plug deeper into the, to the body. Perhaps maybe a first step for you might be just membership. Taking vows to one another and to the Lord. to Care for one another and allow the elders to come and care for you. I do believe as a church we do a, a good job of caring for one another. But I think we can do better. I think we can grow in this area. I think we can be more t- attentive to the needs of caring for one another. And so may God help us and strengthen us to, to grow in this way, to care for one another. And for those of you, many of you, you, you are, you are doing a, a beautiful job of caring for me and my family of caring for those you know who are hurting, but sometimes we just don't know everything. So keep it up. In Hebrews, the writer says, for God is not unjust to overlook your work and the love you have shown in his name for his servants, his saints, as you still do. May God help us. May God strengthen us to care for one another to love for one another. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Oh, Lord, help us to hear clearly this this clarion call from our Lord to love for one another, to care for one another. And Thank you, Lord, that in your, your awesome plans, your great design, your wonderful plan for our lives that you have brought us to community to live life together, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And so, Lord, please strengthen us and help us to care for one another, to point our brothers and sisters, our fellow members here of the body to our head, the Lord Jesus Christ, who endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at your right hand and who now lives and rules and reigns over his church and gives good gifts to his body to serve one another. So, Lord, strengthen us by your spirit to serve and to care and to love one another. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.